Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 117 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Cannoli Fingers, and I'm joined here by my decorated co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader, the man who's made it despite all the hardships, negativity, and hate. Nowadays, all he gets is love like it's tennis time. Your <laughs> favorite traders send fan mail to him, the gorilla of Hal Street, JJ. How's it going? <laughs> good, brother. How are you today? I'm doing really good. Doing really good. And I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, introduce our guest today. Mm-hmm. She has been involved in financial markets for almost 17 years as a trader and investor. She takes a three-dimensional view based on technical, fundamental, and relational analysis. This powerful approach, when combined with price action and candle patterns, has given her a deep and detailed knowledge of the forces that drive the financial markets. She is the author of several books, including a complete guide to volume price analysis, three-dimensional approach to Forex trading, and Forex for beginners. Of course, I am talking about Anna Cooling. Anna? How's it going? Uh, hello, everyone. Hey. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, my my Italian sister. How's, how are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you for having me. And yes, I can't believe it. We uh, we share a heritage. How we... how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, very cool. Very cool. Very uh, very proud of the heritage. So it was great. Absolutely. You know, you're and you're schooling Absolutely. me a little bit on on tips from the motherland because you know I'm a, an Italian American. I don't know if like real Italians sometimes look down on Italian Americans. Is, is is that a thing, Anna? No, 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 no. I mean, listen, we are we are a diaspora. We're yeah. like the Irish. We're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, going back to Italy, it's uh, I think you know they welcome us with open arms. They For really sure. do. They For really sure. do. I love they it. Really it's such a warm culture. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. So Anna, thanks, thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to enjoy conversating, picking You're your brain. More than welcome. Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, I think a good a good place to start, um, like we do with most guests, is uh, your your background, your beginnings uh, in markets. So perhaps just tell us like a little bit, like what got you into the markets? Uh, purely by accident. This is I'm a, I'm an accidental trader, I suppose. You know, there's that that film, the accidental. What's it mm-hmm. called? The accidental tourist. Tourist, uh, yeah. Tourist, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, to explain the how and the why, um, about twenty. Uh, we've lived in the east side of London, and if you know anything about the city of London and how. Um, the people who work there and how it's structured. It has changed slightly, but this has been going on for some years now. Essentially, the east side always provided the floor traders, the people who started uh, either on a trading desk. They weren't necessarily um, academically qualified. (laughs) The only qualifications that you needed was you had to have a... um, a mind, a bit like a bookie. You had to be good with figures and you had to have very sharp mental arithmetic. So, and most of those people that were doing the the day-to-day trading came from that side of London because the city of London was was very class orientated in the sense that 
there was the stockbroking side, the people who were in charge. They were usually uh, privately educated, or as we say here in this country, a public school in this country is a private school, and a mm-hmm. uh, a public school is um is a is, sorry a, a private school is a public school, and an ordinary school is just a is just a school. school. So the the public school educated people either had connections from their pet from a father or an uncle and they went into stockbroking they went into the sort of management type jobs if you like but the people who actually earned the money at the bottom they all generally came from the east end of london and we lived on the east side of london and we had a lot of neighbors who were either bond traders they were forex uh, they traded on the forex desk and when we used to say, ask them, well, how did you, how did you start? Oh, it was a mate who, a couple of them were in Liffey when Liffey mm-hmm. was around. Oh, it was a mate and I was looking for a job and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so, well, you know, come in and you were, you were, it was, it was an equal opportunity, um, employer because all you needed was your wits and the ability with numbers, understand risk and away you, and away you went. What was quite interesting, just segueing slightly, is when the Liffey exchange closed and everyone went to screen-based trading, a lot of them couldn't make the transition because their their way of understanding the market was to feel the market, the noise of the market, the activity. Mm -hmm. So if it was a quiet day, that was it. You, You knew it was a quiet day because it wasn't roaring. And going in front of a screen, of course, you don't you have that you don't have that sense. Now, when we're going to talk about volume, activity, part, the participant, you can actually pick that out. But at the time, so that's how we start. And at the same time as getting to know these 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 people, um, my husband and I, we had various businesses, and one of the businesses we had was a design business that. Um, gay, we worked with a lot of banks. We worked with, we worked with Goldman's, uh, Morgan Stanley. We worked with uh, some very big law firms. We did a lot of design work. So we were in these buildings, but we didn't really know what was going on. And then just by randomly one weekend, I picked up a, um, an article in the Times which said, would you like to learn about trading or specifically day trading? And I, I said to David, what do you think? I mean, here we are, we're going into the city. We know people who work in the city. What's all this about? So we went to one of these presentations and what it turned uh, transpired was um, how to trade futures. So it wasn't really day trading for stocks. It was futures and it cost a huge amount of money when we signed up. But the one thing um it introduced us to was the use of candlesticks and the use of volume, because going back to when we did it, candlesticks were not the norm. It was a bars and, and really that's how we started. And it was only subsequently that we discovered that the program that we were on was actually taken some work from Richard Wyckoff and mm-hmm. explaining the price cycle and it was only when I started, we started doing our own research that we said, ah, and we went into it a little bit more. And then I came across the work of Richard Ney, the specialists of the markets. And really, that's how it, it started. But our first trades, 
was God help us was in FTSE futures at ten pounds a point, which is absolutely insane. We knew nothing. I mean, we just <laughs> barely knew how to read a chart. There was no internet. We had mm-hmm. a, a satellite on the end at the outside the house. You had to phone up the phone the broker. You could hear the broker putting your one contract <laughs> onto the floor of the exchange, and away we went. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. So we kind of worked backwards. We said, okay, um, you know, we, we persevered with it. We, we were successful. Um, our broker went bust, but because we were registered in London, um, we actually were, we, we were compensated. So, okay, that was fine. And that's really how we got into it. And, and the book didn't really come along for quite some time. It really wasn't until after 2000. I think the book, The Complete Guide, was actually published in 2013. And by that time, we had taken nearly 10 years to refine our own knowledge and and really have a take a step back. We're happy with the technical analysis, happy with reading the chart using Wyckoffian principles looking at candlesticks, looking at multiple timeframes, looking at support and resistance. But it was all the other stuff around it, the looking more at more details at the, the capital markets, what was you know the eco- economic cycle. And I suppose what we do now, bringing it right up to date, is this has taken us all these years to do. And in the work that we do and the the programs that we put together is we want to short circuit people's learning curve. That's really what what we what we've tried to uh, try to. I don't want because people say, oh, do I have to, you know, do I have to spend the next ten years learning this? I say, well, you never stop learning because the market changes all the time, uh, the cycles move on. You you know that that it's 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 one of these um, it's one of these professions activities where you never stop learning because it, everything changes. I mean, when we started, there were no such thing as as ODTEs. That's completely revolutionised the market. But what we've done, what we've tried to do, is put the basics together so that you have a platform and then you can build on that. And I think that's what volume price analysis does. It gives you a platform and then you add to it mm-hmm. what you want to add. But just to finish on the East End bits, just to give you an example, Peter Crudders is the founder of CMC Markets. And if you read his backstory, he was a telex operator. He left school with no qualifications, but he got a job in the city with one of the banks. Um, became a telex operator. That, if you remember what telex op- what telex I do. was, <laughs> telex I do. And from there, he went into foreign exchange, and he became so somewhere along the line, he must have said, "Oh, you know, come over here, come and come and do a bit of trading over here on the on the foreign exchange desk." And he's worth I don't know how many billions now he is. But that's how you started. And the best book to read about the city of London, and we really want to know what life is like, is the Nick Leeson book uh, about fairies. Yeah, we've, we had him, we've on, had we've had him on the podcast, actually. He's fantastic. Yeah. I love he him. Is. My yeah. husband thinks he's, he's wonderful. He's absolutely Great wonderful. Guy. I mean, he's, um, he's very hard done by, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, he's put his hand up and he's served his time in, in, in prison. But he must have, you know, war stories galore. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's no, but... he's a great great lesson in uh in yeah. what not to do when it comes to hiding trades. Uh under the blotter of your <laughs> Yes, of risk management, you know. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. But what he highlights is is exactly the kind of ethos that surrounded the the management structure in exactly the people who were promoted who worked in Bearings Bank. And I'm careful; I don't want to defame anybody. But even by, they must admit that they knew nothing about what went on on the trading floor. They had no idea. As long as they had no clue. I mean, JJ, you must know. All too well, all too well. Uh, you know, I've, I, I have clients who have, uh, who actually, you know, took down brokerage firms for sport, um, and clearing firms. So yeah, I, I know all too well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all the, uh, all the, uh, all the secrets as, as it were. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where, um, that's, that's where we started and, Mm. um, it's been fascinating uh, you, as I said, n- never stop, never stop learning. Obviously, the internet has been a huge revolution. Uh, you have to be of a certain age to appreciate just how much of a revolution it is. I mean, you know, anyone under thirty, even forty, um, it, it's just—it's like something from the the age of the dinosaur, uh, <laughs> and, and what yeah. have you. Does that mean? The access and also it's the access to the markets, which um, not knowing how the financial markets operated, we had this early, early access. It's now maybe they think there's too much access. They they think it's too risky for most people who don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether the regulators are going to be thinking maybe of clamping down. Um, I think it would be a pity because despite what they say about the attrition rate, if you like, um, I think it's it's one of the, to get back to my days, you know, the, guy, the, the guys from the East End of London, it was an opportunity to get in and make some serious amounts of money. And there's not many ways that you can do that. Right. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Yeah, well, I think I think this sounds, you know, as you're you're you know talking about this, um, and I like like the east side of London, like that's JJ. That's kind of how you got in. JJ didn't get in through the acad- uh, academic route either. No, and, we've talked, and we've talked about this numerous times with so many different people. Is that it's usually those types that are the best type of traders. Um, I'll take not the I'll, one. I'll take any yeah. anyone who's street smart any day. Sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. Street okay, smarts, you... you know, I'll take I'll take three guys from Staten Island, Long Island, New Jersey. You know who are used to hustling, um, and uh, I'll take those guys over MBAs any day because mm-hmm. uh, you know, know they know how to hustle, they know how to hustle and they know how to go for the jugular. Yes, yes, yeah. and and understand. As I said, the only way I can um, explain it is understand. Have almost like a bookie mentality. Exactly. I mean, my, husband, my husband is. You know, he spent most of his misspent youth in a in a bookmaker's. Oh, which one? <laughs> On horse racing. I mean, which he's, one? He's, what the uh the which bookies yeah <laughs> i can't remember this is a long long was, time ago. yeah it's probably before I, the, le- the legalization <laughs> and all that saturday, yeah. saturday was down at the bookies you know he, oh that's he, wonderful i i ran i ran a few deals for victor chandler back in the day so oh Vic uh, Chandler. Uh, yes yeah. yes yeah. he um he moved to spain he moved to sota grande we lived in yeah. spain for a bit and you know we used to drive we used to go to sota grande and we say that's Vic chandler's house and, oh great <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> quite an interesting character 
quite an interesting yes. character. Yes, that's but again, cool. it's 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 having this. Uh, anyway, that's that's it's like a probabilistic uh, way of of looking at things, Anna. Yes. You know, because I before I, I played poker before coming to trading, sure. and it it, sure. it made it you know, so I, I could I. Obviously, I totally agree with that comparison mm-hmm. um, as well. I want to I want to ask you, Anna, because, you know, you, you were talking about um, people's struggle to some people who had that good feel um, for the market when everything was like more was live. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. How was how was the transition um, for you? You know, instead of having to call in your orders to now screen based trading, was it much of a transition for you? Oh, no, no. I mean, it was great. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it gave us the control of and you weren't I, we found it really really stressful because you know that you, you could you could they could mishear what you said there was a sure. hell of a racket there was a sport going on in the back it was ridiculous now it's all screen based um it's i can control it there's very little that we can actually can what can we control as part of trading well you can trade you can control your position size you can control when you enter. You can control when you, and when you exit. But now, some people don't find that enough. That's a, that's terrible because everything is there's uncertainty. That's just part of the, our life is uncertain, but it's very very uncertain. And I think at the moment, looking at the market at the moment, there's also a lot of instability. So you have uncertainty, and I feel the markets at the moment. There's a they're just very un, they're more unstable than they usually are and i just feel that it could take one just to tip it over so this 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 control element i found not having to ring the broker not having to worry about uh, doesn't mean you don't get slippage or you don't have problems with your brokers but they have cleaned their acts up i mean we david and i also trade the foreign exchange market and it's just it's quite painless you know you click a button and that's it and away you go so I, I think it's I think it's great but it's the guys who who were in the pits mm-hmm. they just couldn't make that they they I think being in the pit was part of what really made sure. it for yeah sure I, I could see that too and then probably if you were doing it for such a long time too as well you know it's it's yep. just gonna be a tough transition for sure yeah, very uh, tough. Uh, Anna, in your early days of trading, um, was there anything you particularly struggled with at first? Like uh, any thing that sticks out in your mind that that you know was maybe a barrier to success for you? Um, I think, like, I think in the early days, it was really just having the confidence to stay in mm-hmm. and trusting your your method. Because it's not really a system, system being systematic. It's very much a discretionary uh, method. Mm -hmm. And there are upsides and downsides with discretionary. And perhaps one of them is just, you know, taking a deep breath, stepping back and saying, nope, this is my analysis. I've got to, you know, got to, uh, you know, being stick with it. So maybe coming out much too quickly, which I think, probably a lot of new traders do you know you see that you see that pnl go up and you think and and maybe you shouldn't have the pnl pnl up there anyway (laughs) that's not maybe such a good idea um (laughs) it's really just holding and because and no regrets no regrets you know it is it's done losing winning that's it you know you treat them both 
equally. You don't over, you say, yeah, oh, that, that was cool. I, that, that, I'm pleased with that one. And then you move on. And if you lose, yeah, that's fine. It happens. And as long as you, you haven't gone mad with your position size, <laughs> you can afford to lose, then that's, I, I can't, I can't explain it any more simply than that, really. And I suppose that then brings us to what kind of personality you are, um, what's not included in, in any of the books, because it was something that we subsequently did with our Forex program and certainly in the stock program that we've done. And that is a much closer look at psychology, because a lot of traders don't turn to psychology until there's a problem. Right. And what we've what we've learned and what we've tried to um, encourage people to do is really get to know your own risk personality. So if you've obviously with, you know, if you poker and trading, because there is a spectrum, the market is a spectrum of risk and that, you know, the, 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 the assets are on this spectrum, but you also have a spectrum. How, and where do you sit along that 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 uh, that spectrum? But you can't understand that until you kind of understand yourself. So the one um, the psych uh, the program we suggest is something called uh, it's it's on the acronym Ocean, which is openness, uh, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And it's, there's no right or wrong answer. You just, and then you get a little profile. And, and to give you an example, the neurotic, the neuroticism, it's not neurotic. It's how you respond to very emotional situations. And obviously putting money in the market, seeing your PL go down, it is nothing, it is very, and it can trigger all yeah. sorts of emotional feelings and having, now, on the neuroticism spectrum, I actually score quite low, which is unusual for an Italian. <laughs> you would think <laughs> yeah. I'd be much more. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's an advantage and a disadvantage because on the advantage side, yes, I'm very, very calm and I look at a chart and I think, yeah, fine, okay. But on the other hand, if you take it too far, you don't actually spot the danger because you're so chilled. Yeah. Whereas if you're at the other end of the spectrum and you're very hyper and you can't, and that's fine. That doesn't mean it's wrong, but you then have to find something that you can match. You either have to work on it or you have to match it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we also stress is this thing about attitude to money um, did you have met a guy called Rich Richard Friesen? Rich Friesen? Mm. Yeah, no. It might be worth contacting for a um, uh, just as a uh, yeah. Rich, Friesen, Rich Friesen is um, was in the Philadelphia options pit, and he writes a lot about money and how our we are conditioned from a very early age to. Um, what we think about money and what we think about wealth. And one of the things he says, I'm sure he won't mind me repeating this story is um, he had a kind of block. And one of the things was he, his father think always said, nobody needs more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. So that was it. And he couldn't get 
in the back of his mind yes money is evil money is this you can't help it it's 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 your it's your environment it's your it's your family you may have people in your family who who disapprove of what you do who don't like it who and that's something you have to you kind of have to have to work through so you've got the psychology and you've got your your personal views about and also the other thing about the markets it's a very very cynical world you know you are what's going on in them at the moment and the markets are going up i mean yeah they've come they've come off a bit but in the in the greater scheme of things you would think that they would have crashed by now mm. because of these awful things that happen and it doesn't happen and people say that's terrible and the guy who we taught who taught us he did make a very good point he says you 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 have to you can be cynical when you are trading but you don't have to be cynical in your private life it's too very you know what mm-hmm. happens over here yeah. when you're making a trade and you're doing fine you're just you have to be very dispassionate you have yeah. to uh and stepping back but in your private life you're not like that you know you're you're warm and cuddly and you love your family <laughs> and some people might find that difficult yeah i i i, I think of it uh like an athlete uh anna right where it's like some of like the most fiercest competitors on the field are like the nicest people off the field you Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's yeah i mean everything you're saying is really like it's just you're approaching it um as a business it's this is this is a business um not too high not too low like you're when you're mentioning the winning losing trades yes um And that's yes. excellent. And I want to I want to follow up on the on the uh, the psychology topic because I, I planned on asking you about that anyway. But um, just one second. Um, we've got any listener? Um, just got to take a quick second to shout out our good friends of the podcast, Apex and Top Step Funding. Uh, any listener of the podcast that has skills to pass an evaluation can become a prop trader fully funded by either Apex and Top Step Funding. Our own micro e futures trading community has many members who are now fully funded. No need to trade your own money. Keep ninety percent of profits to visit. Uh, to learn more, visit our website at microefutures.com. Yeah, and I got a, I got a lot of stuff that I, I really want to ask you. It's, it's been I've really enjoyed the conversation so far. Yeah, uh, since we uh, you you brought up psychology, um, you know, when I was prepping for the podcast, um, I came across something. I guess I read up on one of your bios. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm going to probably butcher the pronunciation, but it's a theory. Gestalt. Uh, Gestalt theory, oh, gestalt, 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 and and I love psychology. I I and all I haven't heard of this before. I'm I'm, I'm curious uh, what this is. Um, I really came across it when I did. I did actually do psychology as part of my um, degree, but it was it, it, psychology has changed beyond all recognition because of what we know now about the how the brain works and how the amygdala works and the prefrontal cortex, etc. And just, again, just a little segue, um, going back to traders on the floor, and a lot of them, that, that when they started young, 18, 19, 20, they reached their peak, 25, 26. And as soon as they hit 30, there is a definite fall off. In And one of the reasons is because young men, uh, generally speaking, the prefrontal cortex is not developed until after 24, 25. So they don't really think too much about cause and effect. It's why young young teenage boys are just 
a nightmare because they they do such stupid things but it's part of the <laughs> that's when you're in that environment you want them to take the risk as think as you get older the prefrontal cortex starts working the um um you then start to think mm, bit, you know you start to take a step back and not me because I'm on a screen and you know and, and I do this, this but if when they were in that environment in the pit and I've spoken to traders about it by the time they come to 30 31 you do get burnout but it's partly partly because as I said the brain structure is has is is changing and evolving gestalt is something that I came across when I did child developmental psychology and it's really like a holistic view of uh, of things it's it's not just one um uh, one approach as it were and it's looking at uh, that's the only way i can describe it as an holistic and i suppose the way i look at the markets is holistically it sounds a bit woo woo when you use the word holistic <laughs> it's 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 really um, as i said you have these four capital markets that they they don't all move in tandem. They, there are relationships between them. There are relationships within each uh, um, each each market. You won't know everything at the beginning, but gradually you you begin to, especially on, in the forex side. Um, if you take the yen, if you're going to trade anything with the yen, the yen is. A safe, a safe haven and a risk currency. You look at the curry trade, and and you gradually begin to put this pic, this complete picture together. But it's it, it's developing enough so you begin to have insight into it. It's it's a fascinating uh, a, a approach, and it was really much more to do with how to help people learn how children learn and mm-hmm. how and how we learn so that's that's how that's why i mentioned gestalt in the okay. um in some of the work i did yeah, yeah. excellent excellent yeah that, that's um uh, the neuroscience too uh is uh fascinating uh behavioral uh eco- or beha- economics right is that the yeah yes. it's yes. uh yeah all that i i love all that stuff that's uh, truly fascinating um, and, uh, I just remember this, Anna, when you were, uh, mentioning the, uh, the neuroticism, like being Italian, I was just, when you were saying that, I'm just thinking like, anytime I stepped in my grandmother's house, you know, like I couldn't touch anything. If I, God forbid, I spilled anything, the, the plastic on the couch, <laughs> on the couches, like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too funny. Too funny. Yeah. The wooden spoon. She had the wooden spoon. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah, yeah, great woman. Um, so yeah, so Anna, um, another thing I wanted to ask you, uh, so you you virtually traded like every market instrument. I, I guess the one, thing, yeah, the only thing we haven't done is 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 bonds, and the irony is is that the conclusion is the bond market is probably the most important market, but to, to understand because that it's the cost of money. And if you really upset the bond market, then you are in deep, deep trouble. So we start. We went. We went. Started with futures. Mm-hmm. Went to uh, um, over to to the foreign exchange. Then we, we did some. Um, we did. We had some stocks, but the stocks were uh, as a portfolio. And then when we had a portfolio of American stocks, uh, we then got into options into cover call writing, 
and then that that passed uh, that passed uh, that passes by and at the moment it's more we're back into into futures i'm i'm more with the ym david is is um in into forex i kind of dabble in 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 forex as well so we've kind of come full circle we've we're in a lot of cash at the moment and we will be looking certainly I want to get this period over with. I think I don't know what JJ thinks or or, or you think as well. Um, the market is setting up for a major correction. It may not happen this side of Christmas because we have the seasonality factor, and I know we have the geopolitics to consider. But so far, it hasn't really had a huge impact, other than yep, oil's gone up, but it's still not still not a hundred dollars. Uh, gold has gone up, but if you look at the chart of gold, ironically, on the sixth of uh, October, uh, from a VPA perspective, it was actually looking. I thought, oh, that looks interesting. Maybe I'm going to write about that. And and then the seventh, and you know that all, and it's been going up ever since. Um, come back, come off a bit. Yeah, you've had you've had the responses that you would expect, but not to the extent that. You know, we are if we are teetering on this horribly dark time, which please God we're not. So far, it's kind of everything is hanging hanging back. But I think, from this is my personal perspective, looking at cycles, thinking ahead of what's coming up with the Santa's rally, and and we've got the, the last two Fed meetings, and if they hold. I wouldn't be surprised if we have another little bit of a melt up, but I think it's all going to catch up with us early part of next year. I don't know if you guys kind of see that kind of picture that I'm seeing. Well, I, I'm uh, I've been, you know, uh, my whole thing is structure. Uh, markets for me are structural. Um, when I take a company public, I structure it a certain way, and that greatly affects how it trades. Uh, and and I do think, you know, things, you know, assets are overinflated, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. the way the structure of the large S&P stocks are, um, until I see three, four hundred million shares of Apple go across the tape in the morning, I'm not going to get worried because the supply mm. is restricted. Mm. You cannot. I mean, I've I've personally squeezed stocks myself from 30 cents to three hundred dollars a share. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know quite a bit about supply and right now our supply in Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, all these deals are, they're restricted supply. They're all owned by BlackRock, Vanguard. They're, they're looking for a 20, 30 year old hold. They have, they're so long, they can't even sell it. I mean, if you tried to sell 200 million shares of Apple in a day, you'd knock the stock down to $5 a share. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not enough liquidity to handle that kind of size. Mm-hmm. Mm. These people are, um, and I know from selling stock, because my job is to take, if you and your husband, for example, took a company public, my my job was to take your 150 million shares of insider stock over two and a half year period, create the chart, create the buying to get you liquid out of your position. Mm. That's that's what I do. I, I create uh, liquidity. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know that the best way to do that is get someone so long that they can't sell the stock. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, BlackRock, Vanguard, there's no way that Vanguard, BlackRock, and Buffett could sell 20% of their position if they had to because the stock can't take it. So it's we're kind of in a we're kind of in a standoff right now, right? Yes. Uh, that's why 
That's why after COVID, we were rallied to new highs because all you have to do is check the 13 Fs and you can see that no one sold any stock. You know, no one who mattered sold any stock. You know, BlackRock still had a billion shares of Apple, right? They might have trimmed it by 10 million shares or something like that. But until I, until you see blocks of 100 million shares of these companies going across the mm -hmm. tape, mm -hmm. and there's no buyer, that's the problem. So things could get a little strange. I have never seen markets trade like this and because I've always been the seller. As Wyckoff said, I've always been the composite operator. Yes. Um, well, uh, that's my job. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I control supply for insiders. I have never seen markets in 30 years, and I've been doing this mm. since 1992. Mm. I've never seen markets where supply is so restricted. Mm. Um, mm. And, and so much short covering, like the bid this morning from the shorts was just amazing. Mm. Mm. You know, that, that's not institutional buying. That's short covering that pushed us up and everybody got short in the wrong place and got taken completely to the cleaners. Mm. So that's, that's, this is a very curious, you know, and I know that there's a correction coming, mm. how it's going to show itself and how it's going to be dealt with. Mm. This is what's going to be fascinating. Yes. Um, I think, and I always tell people, You'll never see markets like this again in our lifetime. Yeah. This, this, I've never seen supply restricted. I mean, you don't, you've never seen people control. I mean, JP Morgan had wealth. Um, you know, these men had wealth, but $10 trillion in assets under management. Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, it's it's, you know, yeah, it's <laughs> almost as much as the GDP of the US, you know, yes. and BlackRock has, you know, Aladdin, that algorithm that runs what, $16 trillion through it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so let's just hope that that systemic risk and, and all those sort of things are, okay. I'm, I'm just kind of hoping they keep kicking the can down the road, you know? That's right. But that's what I feel. I mean, as I yeah. said, I, I'm only looking at, I have to stress, I am an outsider and I will always be an outsider. And I started off as an outsider. Yes, I had the privilege of knowing a few people on the inside, either yeah. from and, you know, we got to know uh, people who uh, the stockbroking side, uh, the brokerage side. And as I said, the people that I met um, who went into the city of London. But essentially, my analysis has always been as an as I don't I've never had the privilege of being an, an insider. But I'd like to feel that I can still sense when something is not it's just not right. I mean, the and the. Mm -hmm. If you take the, you know, looking at the indices, of course, then it's further dis kind of distorted by the way the indices are constructed. And one of the things we really want to make people aware of is, uh, you know, whatever you buy, if you buy an index uh, or an ETF, or the derivative um, uh, via an ETF, what are you actually buying? You know, if you think you're being exposed across the markets, you're not. Um and it's just the way it's been created. Uh, I mean, mm. the, the Dow is is a price base, but I think I wrote here, I've, I've got it, uh, I always have it down, you know, the top 10 make up 56% of the Dow Jones and yeah. you know, the, the YM. So I, I like the Dow and I like the YM. There's only 30 stocks I have to worry about. <laughs> um, I, you know, I can, I, on trading view, I can create my own index. So I can make a yeah. little index of 10 stocks. I can see what they're doing. And that gives me, uh, you know, uh, I can take, yeah, fine. And yeah. it gives me some perspective. I don't have, a, yeah, I'm not going to get on a soapbox and say, I think it's terrible, you know, uh, market cap 
uh, indices, they're a con, you know, they're everything because they, everything has an advantage and a disadvantage. The, the advantage is, I suppose, um, on a market cap, you, you're going to get, if you get the, the, the top companies really accelerating in growth, they're going to motor the index up. And if you're passive investing, you're going to get fantastic returns. You only have to look at the, the, the difference in performance between the equal weight version and the market cap version. And you're going to say, well, I'm going to be in the market cap version. But of course, when things start to turn and you have this concentration where there's seven stocks are basically propping everything up. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just unsustainable. I mean, talking about Apple, um, when you look at the filings, you've got, um, the dear old Swiss National Bank. Weren't they one of the biggest holders of Apple stock? I believe they kind of divested themselves. Um, you know, when central banks start buying stocks, uh, you've got the bank <laughs> are the biggest holders of ETFs, for God's sake. It yeah. kind of, I don't know, it, as you say, JJ, it's, it's really, really weird. So in all this weirdness, we have to try and find little signposts that say, okay, um, where are we going with this weirdness? You know, what, what, what do we look at? Well, you look at the bond market, clearly. Um, you look at the, at the commodities and oil, oil in particular, because, you know, the narrative is the inflation narrative. Um, what the Fed is up to or what they tell us it's up to. And you try and build a narrative without putting your own going back to the biases where you just see what you want to see mm-hmm. and, and and looking at things and well this is how it should be well maybe that's how it should be but that's not what it's at at the moment and it, it's it, i think for tra- for intraday short term traders you look at the chart you have your method you have if you want vpa use vpa Put your indicators over the top, your support and resistance, whatever it is, it, it VPA will, you can make it your own and away you go. Whether you do it as an options or whether you do it in your actual buying and selling, that's up to you. I think it's really, really difficult for investors because um, I think it's... I was- yeah, I, I just wanted to get your opinion on something because you said something really, really cool. You said you're an outsider. And yes. I wanted to get your take as an outsider who's actually, you know, done the work. And yeah. if you look at the, um, you know, the business model of capital markets now and um, how revenue is generated, we went from a commission-based revenue structure mm-hmm. to an mm-hmm. asset gathering revenue structure when combined with low interest rates, mm-hmm. no money manager, um, you know, wants to sell because they just keep getting you know, that two, two and 20, the 2% of assets under management. Mm-hmm. And I think that too has, you know, they've been warehousing stock and lower interest rates and stock buybacks, of course, take stock out of circulation. You return yep. capital stock to the treasury of the company that mm-hmm. takes it out of the depository trust corporation and you yep. reduce the mm-hmm. float. Mm-hmm. So you're reducing supply continuously. Um you know, have you what as an outsider have have you noticed that? Have you do you have any comments on that? I'm just curious. I, I in all honesty, no. I mean, own, my only as as an outsider, I only look at um, I look at the stock. I look at you know the extent of stock buybacks. I look okay. at things like 
as I said, the Swiss, you know, who's buying this stuff, the, mm. the Swiss National Bank, who's got the the, the biggest uh, holdings, because yeah. I, as I said, everything I've done has been a, ser- a, a sort of from deduction mm-hmm. and looking, and I can't even say you can well look back in history because there's never been a period like this. This exactly. is just the result of 2008 and these ridiculously low interest rates, which let's be honest, you know, if you, if you bought property with them and you manage your debt, it's been a tremendous advantage and, but it's inflated asset prices. So, and it's created really, it's, it's caused more of a division between the haves and the have nots. We have to accept that. It's just the wealth is concentrated in a, in a relatively small percentage of, 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 of people. Is that good for society? No, ultimately not. And then what's happened now is we have inflation. Revolutions happen when you get inflation. If you think back to the, the French Revolution, why did that, why did the French Revolution actually explode? It's because as Marie Antoinette is, there's no bread, let them eat cake. Cake, yeah. <laughs> And inflation yeah. is so dangerous. And the the central banks thinking that they could, you know, poke the inflation tiger and then control it in some way, they are nuts. They're, and yeah. this is what and this is what has happened. But it's the run up since sort of two thousand two thousand and eight. And that it's almost like a like a boil that has to burst. <laughs> exactly. And you, hope to, and you hope to God that it's not going to cause terminal exactly. damage i i'm actually quite optimistic despite everything i'm quite optimistic because i think what's happened this year quite interestingly and i can link it back to 2000 is we've obviously had a bit of a bubble in ai and um it reminds me a little bit of the dot com before 2000 where it was the first iteration of the internet and you know this wonderful world mm-hmm. that we now live in and of course then we had this horrible crash and it took however many years you know the company companies that were given ridiculous valuations i don't how many of them are still around some of them may be and they were they were the it always is the way the if you're an early adopter you're a pioneer it's a bit like bitcoin Mm -hmm. bitcoin was the is the leader and i actually think digital currencies are the part of the future are they still going to be the leader in five years time there could be a company out there that is actually going to overcome that and and if you're a bitcoiner please don't have a go at me i'm simply saying <laughs> no. <that. laughs> you know? no ray ray was actually i mean i remember when nfts came out ray was one of the early adopters and had one of the lowest cost bases and he yeah. did well on that you know he jumped yeah. all over that yeah. um yeah. one thing really quickly and then i'll be quiet uh, there's a great article in Bloomberg today about money managers, um, you know, with the hundred trillion dollar uh, problem now and how they're talking about T. Rowe Price, you know, had a hundred and twenty seven billion dollar exodus over the last two years. Mm-hmm. So it, I think you would lo- I think you would love that article. It's, I will. Uh, I will. Yeah. I, I subscribe to Bloomberg. I will definitely, yeah. I will definitely have a look. So looking at this year, the beginning of the year, and in fact, it was looking at the 13F filings. And mm-hmm. I could, could see there was a lot of quite, they said it was retail money, but 
you know, I don't know, uh, going into NVIDIA, uh, AMD, and, you know, it, off off they went. So we've had like a, this little bubble, but actually AI is the future. But I wonder if we're going to see a kind of repeat of what we had with dot-com, where you have this initial burst, you have the early adopters, and then you have a bit of a, a pullback, maybe a crash. And then as the technology develops, it then moves on. I think quantum computing, I think anything to do with the energy space. Um, at the moment, it's all electric, you know, all battery. Um, but there are other the other technologies, green uh, green hydrogen. That is that is that is. I believe that is definitely the future. But we've got to get over this mm-hmm. the situation we are at the moment, and with oil. I remember doing a, 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 I was asked to do a presentation about oil. Um, few, um, I used to write about oil quite a lot and we traded or uh, we, we traded oil. You know, was it peak oil? And I said, no. And it's definitely not fossil fuel is going to be around. And if you are going to trade oil, obviously the supply and demand dynamic, there's, there's OPEC. But the one thing about oil as well at the moment is the producers all have their, their break evens. So the oil price is as much driven by the fact that if they don't keep to their break-evens and go slightly above it, they're going to have problems with their um, with their populace. Because again, you take Saudi, I think the break-even on Saudi is something like $86 a barrel. So really? once it's, it may be good for us to have it at $60 a barrel, um, but it isn't going to do anything for 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 countries and countries like Nigeria. It's like 130, 100, 140. So, wow. and and the thing with oil, they push the price up because they break They have to meet their break evens. That feeds into inflation, and we get into this instability once again. But we think about inflation. Oh my God! I remember when our mortgage went up to seventeen percent. Yeah. <laughs> Back in. 87 i think it was 87 jj yeah i remember i was yeah i i was uh you know i didn't have a mortgage back in 87 i was you know i was irresponsible and having a great time (laughs) we survived and we're here we're here now so as i said that's really for the and you know you look at alternative energy you look at battery technology and you think of what's going into the the um the components and the rare earth metals you think of china everything has has issues and if you are going to go into that space you kind of have to as I said, this is this holistic looking at the whole. Um, what are the pros? What are the cons? Nothing, nothing's going to be perfect. But that's what that's that's how I see it for for the future. But not until they, we have had this washout. And um, I don't know how painful it's going to be. Is it actually going to be next year? It's a presidential year. Have we ever had a crash in a presidential election year? I don't think so. We might have a pullback. So. Once that could come in 25, hang over to 20. I think once we get to 2026, from a cycles perspective, I think possibly, optimistically, everything, we should be, um, you know, hopefully a little bit better than we are now. That's my prediction. (laughs) Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. So, yeah. So, Anna is, she is a uh, cryptocurrency advocate. You heard that on here. I love it. 
I do. No, I've never. I've actually, we, Dave and I, we put together a little, a little cryptocurrency book. I and saw. We, mm-hmm. and, um, and we said at the time, you know, it's, it's what's coming, but it's like everything that's new. You have these early adopters, you have this bubble, you have this, this inrush of, oh, it's new because we all like new stuff. We, the next shiny toy is this, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Then you have, and, and then the technology, you know, the technology advances and um, new companies come. So I'll give you a perfect example of this. Richard Branson. Yeah. Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. He has mm-hmm. tried. He's got, uh, he was, he started a music label. Then he obviously got his airline and what have you. But, Perhaps not many people know, but in in amongst all that, he started all sorts of other business, but he was never a pioneer. It was always somebody else that had the idea. And then he said, oh, we're going to start, I'll tell you what, one called Virgin Brides. He decided to get into the um, bridewear industry. (laughs) Bridal wear was a big thing about uh, 20 odd years ago. And okay. we got involved in the in the in the design of that. It was in Regent Street, oh, but nice. he didn't. But somebody else had started, Doesn't and that's so. There's nothing wrong with being a follower. Everyone yeah. thinks, oh, we want to be a pioneer, but pioneers can sometimes be, you know, they're either too early yeah. or mm. too much debt, and somebody else comes along and builds, as I say, builds a better mousetrap. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I know think, there's numerous examples of this too. Yeah, throughout history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and from a risk perspective, yeah, the, the, yeah, how are you going to, you know, divide up the uh, the money that you have? I don't think there's anything wrong in in putting a little bit into something purely speculative, but you won't put everything right. on. And and I suppose that leads on to well, what about age? Because obviously, as you get older, you're supposed to be much more cautious. And I. I kind of see the the logic behind it, but it depends on the market that you're in. Mm. Um, and it's again goes back to how you 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 know your attitude to risk. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and uh, I want to I want to ask you because you know we we talked about um, psychology a little bit, like holistic. Your your trading. Um, style kind of seems a little bit holistic to me um as well maybe 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 not you you could answer it but um you know the the three-dimensional view right technical fundamental uh relational uh you know we were talking about how you know you're you're a little concerned with the market uh, as are so many people right and a lot of but but this has been burning a lot of people because people are oh like market shouldn't be going up market shouldn't be going up and they're they're losing so how you know, because me and JJ work with people, we have a room with people and we see this all the time. Like people like have that tough balancing that, right? Like you think things should maybe be going one way, but it's not. How, yeah. How do you just like toe that line um, between just like technical analysis, fundamental, relational? Ho- hopefully I didn't ramble. Hopefully that made sense. What I'm trying to ask. I, I think if I go back to the method, the, the method, the, the VPA method, and the chart analysis, the one thing, the advantages that it gives you is that it highlights what we call anomalies. So when you look at that relationship between what you're seeing in terms of price action and the volume that's supporting or not 
that price action, that I believe, both my husband and I believe, it gives you, it allows you to stand back a little bit. And because you can, you, you can judge whether that move is genuine. So if you start from the perspective on the chart with the question, am I seeing a genuine move? Not what I think I should see, not what maybe the noise of the media is telling me I should see, but what am I actually seeing? Particularly if you are a short, you know, on an, on an intraday basis, the five minute chart, the, uh, the 50, whatever time frame that you like to use. So, so VPA gives you, I think, first of all, it gives you the whole price cycle. And then within that price cycle, you then have, you can determine whether you're a primary, you see a primary trend, it's going one way, and then you get a pullback, which is a secondary. But is it actually a secondary or is it a reversal of a, of a primary? Do you actually see it? And it's only by using or understanding this relationship between the candle or maybe a group of candles and the volume histogram at the bottom. So, so to give you an example, there's, um, I think I was on, I think it was on, I can't remember, it was on Spy or YM. It's going down, right? So it's following on the bearish uh, close from Friday. Great. Oh, right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go short. You put your short in. And then what happens is as the price is going down, the candles, you've got down candles, they're getting narrower, but the volume is going down. And then suddenly you get a hammer candle with some volume and away it goes up. And, and people say, how did that happen? It was going down. Yes, but the selling was de- was decreasing. It was it was coming to a potential reversal. It may not go very far. It may not go very far, mm-hmm. but that is your... And, and also, if it then hits a significant support and resistance line, I don't know, um, I have my own proprietary support and resistance indicator, but you could use moving averages, you can use Fibonacci, it's entirely up to you. But if you are at a, a, a significant support level or resistance level as well, and you have, and then you have perhaps a confluence where you look at a slower time frame, particularly the hourly chart, and you're suddenly hitting a level or even the daily then you kind of put it and that's just on the technical side now around that um what's coming up in terms of news mm-hmm. who is speaking we had 17 speeches from fed people last week including Powell. it was ridiculous yeah. absolutely ridiculous 17 i mean jeepers um and I, I asked um, a trader once, and I, I said, well, I, oh, he said, I'm just price action, just price action. I just said, fine. I said, well, what do you do about the fundamental news? Oh, it's all priced in. It's all priced in. I said, I said, what about no NFP? Oh, I don't trade during NFP. I said, so you do take notice of the of, of the fundamental news? <laughs> well, I suppose so. Fine. <laughs> so you have that. And then the, the third layer is the market can well there's the market condition as i said yes we are bearish but there have been opportunities now some traders would say but that's ridiculous you know just why don't you wait till it rallies and sell the and sell the rally oh fine that's that's what type of that's your you have to make your trading strategy your own are you happy selling rallies are you happy taking reversals are you happy taking breakaway trades they all have advantages and disadvantages and then as i said 
So you have market condition, and then you have these other forces, geopolitical, you have what the other markets are doing, if you're in Forex, what the bond yields are doing, and even in, in stocks, what are you? It's a lot to take in. And I think for new traders, they think, oh, I can't be doing this. Just give me a give me a chart. Tell me when I want to press. <laughs> Tell me the button I need to press. And, you know, when I go in, when I come out, that's, <laughs> that's all I want to know. That's it. I, I can't be dealing with it. But no one, no one is born knowing. And exactly. it's only gradually that you begin, as I said, we also... The, Starting with the chart is fine. It's absolutely fine. And then gradually you, right. and it begins to make sense to you. And you begin to get a, um, a fee, as I said, through the screen, what those guys, they missed in the pit. But you do actually get a feel. I don't know about you guys. Do you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, you, you definitely get a feel. And I, I'm a big believer in using common sense in, in trading. Yep. Um you know, because it is a business and that's why we call it the stock market instead of the stock hot tub. It is a market. Yeah. There's a whole wholesale element to it. Yep. And, you know, um, you yep. know, take that cheap product and go sell it at a profit and then sell it back yes. down to cost basis. Absolutely. Well, that's why those you know, guys were so good. You know, one, yeah. of, one of our friends was a market. He ran a market stall with his father. He ran a, uh, he was in the markets in Bethnal Green and, and okay. That's what they did. And he got yeah. a job. Um, as I said, he was, um, what did he go into? Yes, he was, he was in, um, it was at Liffey. Doing okay. Features, uh, oh. At Liffey and Gary, but he, he left. He, he said, I, 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 he went and he's made his, made his money somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is a stressful, it is a stressful occupation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and being aware, we, we know, we know so much more about behavioral economics. Mm. We know we, we have these biases. It's, if you didn't, life, you'd never make a decision without, yeah. without these heuristics. You have mm. to. But you have to really be very conscious of, am I, you know, is it my bias that is speaking here? Because uh, conf- confirmation bias is probably the best one to describe you know, you 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 only see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't actually see what is there. It's it's difficult. It's hard. It is the one of the line. hardest things. The one of the hardest things I found is trading against my bias when my bias is wrong, and uh, that took years to figure out. How um, did you manage that process? Uh, we we have a process by which, um, you know, we look at inventory and structure. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then we use, you know, um, half hour we use, I'm a big Dalton, uh, fan of, um, of, uh, market profile, which shows market structure. It shows you where the inventory is and it shows you where all the stops are. So, yes. uh, you know, if a market fails to take out a stop and you're short, um, you better start to cover because, you know, if you're short, you need there to be a seller. If there's no sellers, there's no reason to be short. See, in the old days, it was great because your buddy at another firm would call you and say, hey, JJ, we've got a 5 million share sellout. You'd go short 20,000 shares. They'd knock it down. You'd cover. Mm-hmm. But retail traders, unfortunately, don't get that exposure to that experience. No. No. So that's why they're shorting all the time thinking it has to go down. Yes. But there's actually no seller. And if the seller's not present, they're not mm-hmm. going to compete and push price lower. Yes. And in, in fact, yeah. uh, last week, you, you could see that very much on the, on the oh, spot. Oh, yeah. 
it's only the five minute chart. It, it, the, the beginning was it it was there was a trend lower from the open, but it was really messy. It was mm. spiky candles and exactly it, yeah. It, when you look back in hindsight, it's all it very looks- well. Exactly. You could see the lower, Mm -hmm. lower highs, and you know, yeah. yeah. But seriously, when that's developing, would you really see that? But the one opportunity on two two consecutive days was exactly when it bounced. It was quite calm. There was a hammer candle. I think one was a hammer, one was a two bar reversal. Wasn't very much. It wasn't huge, but it was steady, and it was. Not so heart stopping, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you are expecting to short all the time, it, it, you know, and that, that was it. One opportunity, that's it. What, oh, and know. the other thing too now is that these size traders with all the beautiful electronic execution and algorithms, they can split up their orders and leak out the sell order so you don't see it coming. That's yeah. what makes shorting so much more difficult these days. I mean, in the yeah. old days, you know, we'd I would route orders through twenty five different market makers, right. so you know people wouldn't see me coming. Yeah. You know, and you know, I'd I'd put up a bid for a million shares, and I would be selling everything off sixteen offers. You yeah. know, uh, on a level two, but yeah. now the the sophistication of this electronic trading and mm-hmm. it's just fascinating. So it makes it a little trickier, and then you get so much short covering that it's you see yeah. the price go down, and then you get those as you guys say spiky candles. Where yes. the shorts come in and cover, and you get that momentary yes. lapse of supply, and yes. the price rallies like six handles in the ES, and then yes. the seller steps in again. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. Uh, and it's just, and that is hard to trade. It, uh, it's, it's. It I always say, being a retail trader, and, and we're happy that we have folks like you who share their knowledge because being, I mean, I've worked in every job in finance, uh, other than investment banking because I didn't have the pedigree. But uh, retail traders have the hardest job in finance because we can't cheat. We don't have we don't yeah. have any support system. You don't have a boss over your shoulder going, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. you don't have that checks and balances, compliance, credit. You have all of those resources when you work at a firm where you don't have that when you're sitting, mm-hmm. you know, alone in your in your home mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it's uh, it's 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 quite it's been very eye opening for me going it's, from institutional to retail. It is. It is. And um, uh, the, the only thing I would say, obviously, comparing years and years ago, is there is much more information now. But mm-hmm. like everything else, you've got to know mm-hmm. what is good, good intel. Exactly. Bad intel. And exactly. you could look at um, certainly the impact of ODTE options is just unbelievable and what one of the things we've uh, we we put into this pro into the stock program is really a huge part of of options and there are so many um uh, platforms out there that can give you that what say, give you an edge but it gives you that insight into the levels uh, the gamma levels and you know is it what is the options market doing because obviously there are market makers in the the options mm-hmm. market and their books have got to they've got to be hedged they've got to be managed and if, you know if, if odt what's the ratio of calls to puts it's just so skewed in because 
no one likes to this is the thing about this is the bias again about the stock market if you're buying for an inv investing you're not going to buy a stock that you think is going to go down you're always going to be long you're always looking for something that's going to go up give you some um um uh, capital return and hopefully maybe some if you're going for dividends as well but even traders seem to have that mindset everything has to go up all the time up 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 up, up. and it's it, it's all i'm saying is that there is information there is intel out there but you've got to be able to know what you're looking at what it's telling you and how maybe you can incorporate it into um what influence is it having on what you're seeing on your screen? That's really what, um, and there are some good, uh, you know, we've come across some really good stuff, some good stuff out there, which is, uh, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting topic. I, I, I'm thinking back to, um, you know, Anna, when you're saying like the, the bias versus, you know, intuition and like how it could be such a, a fine line. I, I think for myself, I think, I think it's like an awareness thing. Like if, if you, you pay close attention to yourself, like the, the, you know, perhaps the emotion. And, and I learned this from Denise Shaw. I think she's awesome. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, uh, Anna. She's a, um, uh, neuro, neuroscientist, you know, uh, right. yeah. behavioral economics. Um, yeah, just like knowing the emotion that, that's, uh, driving the, the, the thought, you know what I mean? Um, and I think just like paying real close attention to yourself, you could you could distinguish the di uh, difference, perhaps. Because I used to kind of be against the uh, intuitive, like like that intuitive feeling. I would always like uh, question, and maybe it was a, a lack of confidence. But I think you know, even science has now shown there's something to intuition, um, and that's your you know perhaps your brain picking up on something that you you're just not consciously aware of, perhaps, mm -hmm. especially when you're experienced. I think after a time, you got to like lean into that a little bit. But, well, we do have a, we do have a brain in our gut, yeah. So, so, so you know, there is there is something going on there, and but that really comes with experience. With experience, certainly yeah. at the beginning, it, it that's very hard to um, to try and 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 leverage, if you like. And I think at the beginning, you have you have to be much more. Um, I suppose disciplined, but be aware. I think a lot of it is awareness. You know, at the beginning, you said, "Well, how did it was having the self awareness? What am I feeling at the moment? You know, am, am I on a scale? Am I am I panicking? Is is my breathing? How am I? Am I actually holding my breath?" Mm -hmm. um, one of the books which is really interesting is by Professor John Coates. Um, he's um, he's at Cambridge now, and he's a neuroscientist. And he wrote he's written a book called "The Hour Between Dog and Wolf," and it's an analysis of um, how hormones uh, the, the hormones affect the decision making process. In the sense that when you have too much testosterone and you have too much confidence, you take bigger risks. And it was really an analysis of what happened in 2000, 2008. And he, he, we have these hormones in us, and we are, um, it's part of our who we are. And they, if you have heightened testosterone, you will tend to take more risk, but it may not be appropriate. 
and it's having that having that um, awareness. But when you're actually you've got money, and you know the bigger the the size that you have on the market is what am I what am I feeling? You we have self talk anyway, mm-hmm. and that's and it's how you manage that self talk. Is that self talk? Oh my god! Oh my god! It's coming up! Oh good! It's great! It's going! Up. Oh, it's great! It's great! Oh oh my god! Oh my, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? This is going on in, in your head all the time. You'll be exhausted by the end of the day. You're, adren- you're having spikes in adrenaline and you hold your breath and you, that's hard. As an ex-poker player, if that's a poker player, you should know about keeping. <laughs> Absolutely. Keeping, staying calm, being Absolutely. in the kind of, so, and it's, and in fact, I think I read somewhere that, in fact, John Professor Coates says there's, there's only one antidote when you are over, perhaps hyperventilating or panicking. It's oxygen. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that kills the adrenaline spike. You've got to breathe, breathe, walk away, just yeah. walk away, just go away, go and do something, go and go for a run, go and take the dog out. But it gets back to this thing about as JJ is saying, the loneliness in a way, if it's just you, and it yeah. becomes you get extra pressure if maybe you've got a family. If you're a young guy with really no financial responsibilities other than to yourself, fine. You can you can probably take more risk and you probably do it. They are well, it's a bad day to have always got to but if you've got a, a family, maybe, and it's something you really want to do and your partner, you've really got to have a supportive partner and you've got to explain mm. to them what they do, what you do. And, and this is so how did you do, you know, how was your day today? Well, I lost money. And you go in there, oh, well, I lost money. It can be really difficult with mm. relationships, especially if you expect to use that money to pay for your um, day-to-day living. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think too, like along this topic, Anna too, uh, you know, we, we speak in a holistic, I think that's why too, like activities outside of trading, you mentioned like exercise, yes. um, uh, eating wealth, like things that, you know, help reset you or just going to help you be able to perform better when the when the time comes. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm at least I'm a huge, huge believer um, in that. Um, Anna, I got it. I got a question. We have we have a um, I really got to thank uh, our Swedish friend, August. I got to shout out August. He's, he's really um big fan of yours. Really kind of why yes. we, re- we were, oh, reached out to you. Yeah. So sh- shout out to August, our Swedish friend. He's, he's got a question for you. Um, And so I told him, I told him we're going to have you on that. Uh, mm-hmm. If you wanted to ask you something, he, so this question here is from him. Uh, big fan of all your books. I'm pretty sure he's read all of them. Um, so what he's asking here is, um, is there a time when volume uh, it's perhaps not good to look at, um, or it's not applicable. And he, I guess, he's referencing to potentially like uh, low volume relative low bo- uh, volume bars for the day. Let's say the spy trades at like half um, our volume. I assume there is easier for for people to maybe move the market around, give fake signals. Should one stay away from reading volume or even trading when daily volume is unusually low uh, for a particular instrument? It really depends on um, where you are in the price cycle. So if you're in a congestion phase, certainly on even on a daily chart, as I always say, in a con- the, if you're in a tight range on the daily chart, on a slower time frame, that is going to directly impact 
what is going to happen on the five minute chart. You're likely to get more whipsawing. You're not going to, if, if something is in a nice trend, you only have to look at say the SPY or any of the indices uh, back when they were in this, you know, were march, they were marching higher. Well, down on the faster timeframes, it was a case of buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip, because it was just, you know, it was one way traffic. So you would expect to see lower volume in a congestion anyway. And if you have that and you then get the, the whipsawing, do you actually want to be in that market environment? Now, the a whipsaw, um, you could have a very big, wide-ranging candle on the day within the range. It's, it's in congestion, and you could have and down on the on the faster time frames. As one of our uh, forex friends says, you get good two-way price action. So it's going backwards and forwards on the take, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. But it will, it can be characterized by lower, if you're stocks, you're looking at all the ETFs, the SPY, lower than average volume. But you also have to remember is prices do go up on low volume and they go up on low volume. It could be seasonality around holiday times. Um, there are just certain, August, for example, you would expect to see slightly, but in fact, this year we didn't really see low volume in August. We didn't see that that big drop off, um, but you will certainly see it in the new year. So you have to place that low volume more into context, a seasonality context. You have to put it into the context of the structure of the chart, and if it's in a congestion then you would automatically see. Because in a congestion phase, and especially if you use, right, we use use a volume profile, we have something called the volume point of control. But the point of control or the volume point of control is an area on the on the chart where the market has no overall direction. That there, there, there is, JJ can explain this probably better than I can, but it's it, there is a almost a consensus. It will try to break away but everyone is happy to transact. Well, now, that's, uh, yeah, sorry, that that's, it's, it's just the cost basis. The volume point of control is just the cost basis. And then when the VPOC moves up, it's distribution. So it's good distribution of cost basis. Yes. yes. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and in Wyckoff, a congestion phase is the law of cause and effect. And the thing is, nothing stays in congestion forever. It has, mm -hmm. you know, it has to move. I know it stays in congestion an awful lot, <laughs> uh, longer than, than trends. And the law says, well, the longer it stays, then the, generally the the bigger the the bigger the effect but you will get an awful lot of fake outs and that's why a lot of traders don't like breakout trading because oh well mm. you know it's it, it, there's so many fake outs but the advantage of of of, of having um uh, using a breakout is you, your stops are very very tight so yeah you can have lots of small losses but when it moves you yeah. do have the opportunity to move really really strongly but to get mm -hmm. back to his answer an answer so low volume is it seasonality is it what is the structure on the chart prices do move up on on low volume but that of itself is perhaps a warning that you know it, it's not sustainable for prices to move a healthy move has to be supported 
by good volume. And that's whether to the upside or, or the downside. So that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point you bring uh, with the, uh, the breakout uh, trades, Anna, cause I know a lot of people, you know, they want to like win every trade or they want, you know, <laughs> and it's like uh, with those type of trades, you're going to take a lot of small loss, small loss, small loss, but when it does work, it works in a big way. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's how I like uh, approaching trading for sure. Um, and I, pre- I appreciate your time. I'm going to wrap it up here, but I want to um, just ask you for those that are interested in some of your books, um, what what could they expect, in, uh, expect inside or just, I guess, anything you want them uh, to know about some of the literature? About the books? Yeah, about the books. Anything you want, you want the listeners to know that might be interested? Yeah. Um, the, the main book is the... Uh, the complete guide to volume price analysis there is actually a companion to that because the other thing with vpa is the 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 what i call the setups the um the the not so much signals but the setups and the chart patterns and the and the volume patterns they do repeat mm-hmm. and you'll see them across all the time frames so there's a companion book to that which is um i think the forex the stock one has like 200 examples worked. Ex- so all it is, is is price action and volume and just highlighting them. Um, because if you see them once and you you the way to approach it is maybe get to know one or two of the setups. And again, there's danger because you, you're only ever going to see the ones that you want to see. But as a start, at least it gives you something to start with. And that's the, and there's also the equivalent one with uh, for Forex. I think there's 100, um, 100 examples of from drawn from the Forex market. And the question I'm always asked is, well, how can you do the analysis using volume and price on Forex? Because there's no central exchange. You're actually using tick volume, using activity. All I would say is it works very, very well. There's um, there's a very um, uh, well-known hedge fund manager whose name escapes me, who's actually done all the um, the research behind it. It's about 90%, and it's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's very good. I think his name is, oh, his name's Casper Marnie. Casper Marnie. I don't know, JJ, if you've heard of him. Casper. No, I haven't. That one I have not heard of. Casper Marnie, I think he's in the UK and he did, he's done a lot of um, statistical work on using using tick as, as activity, basically. So Mm. why not? Why not? I think that was it. Yeah, that was it. That's, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Well, definitely go out, guys, get her books. Very smart woman. And that. And that is going to conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it for us. If you'd like to join a professional and supportive community of traders, you can join us at microefutures.com. And uh, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you and uh, anything else yeah. you'd like for them to know. No, just anacooling.com is just my main site. Uh, I do have some Facebook pages. I have one just dedicated to forex i have uh i have one that's under my own name anna cooling and i have X, twitter x i think about twenty thousand followers on there as well so i always i like to the way i see myself is is as i said as an outsider having taken all this time to learn this stuff i just mm-hmm. want to share it and so and i follow 
a lot of I think some really good people and I say that and I post a charts and and what have you so that's on x or twitter uh, yeah x twitter <laughs> x yeah x. <laughs> no x. excellent excellent um yeah, no, and you know, you know, and uh, I'm an outsider. I think pra- practically, probably all the listeners are outsiders. So, you know, it's 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 good to have someone who's done it that way. You know, it's 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 I guess mm-hmm. a little bit more relatable. I and mean, we got JJ here to give us the dark side of things on the on the other side. <laughs> Tell us how it goes. <laughs> I like the outsiders. They give us hope, right? They give the you know give us hope. You know, people like Anna give people hope because. This is a very intimidating, difficult business to be in. Yes. Um, and, yes. you know, um, and it's it's nice to have someone who's come in from the outside and been sure. successful at it. Yes. Um, you know, yes. and, you know, it's 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 refreshing to see that um, mm. because you you know, you, it's 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 nice to have you on. And thank you so much, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, most of the you know, most of the people my age, I've been doing this. Oh, God, too long. And, you know, after you have a, a couple of heart attacks and, you know, uh you know, go through the wit, the the rumor, you know, the mill, yes. um, you know, we go through the spanking machine quite a bit on the institutional side. So yeah. it's nice to have someone who's not jaded, who, you know, uh, can come and share their knowledge with us and, uh, you know, and yeah. look forward to seeing you down, down South, hopefully. When it Absolutely. Is. Yeah. JJ, thank you. I mean, I, I, as I said, this is all I have, my husband and I have put this together from deduction, observations, speaking to people like yourself on, on the inside. And has, has anything, what I've said, does it sort of concur? Um, I, I think we've got it right, more, more or less right. I, I can't, I can't sort of handle my heart and say this is a hundred percent because I've never been on the inside. I've never been on the inside, but I'd like to think that at least the stuff that we have put together, whether whether people use it, you know, themselves, they take it on on board. Um, I'd like to think it's something that they they can build on maybe later, and it gives them an insight into how this mad world works. Exactly. That word works. So anyway, I I really appreciate you inviting me on and uh, giving me an opportunity. As you say, talking about markets, you could stay here for hours. Exactly. <laughs> we could. It was it was our pleasure, Anna. Thanks so much. So for oh, Anna Cooling, I'm Paulie Walnuts. He's the gorilla of House Street. You stop so. <laughs>